The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, everybody. This is Joni Siegel, and this is the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. This is episode number 93. We are closing in on the end of our second year of doing the podcast. Jason is busy helping someone start the program over at Narcanon Suncoast. And since getting help for anybody that is experiencing this whole addiction problem is kind of a goal that we have. Um, You know, we're going to cut Jason some slack today and let him do that because it's super important. So the bad news is it's just me today, no Jason, but the good news is that he's not here because he's helping someone get treatment. I wanted to, um, Jason oftentimes uh, will comment on something that he's read recently, and I read something today that I thought was pretty astounding. Um, I don't know that I knew this exact figure, but definitely knew that this, um, I'm not surprised by it, let's put it that way. And that is that 65% of heroin users started with a prescription opioid addiction. And it may sound to some of you listening like it's kind of a a no-brainer, but that's a pretty high percentage, 65%. And, you know, Jason and I have talked many, many times about how you really have to own your own health. And I'm going to give you an example that I ran into this week. I have back issues. I've mentioned this before. I broke one of my vertebrae when I was 18 years old it healed just fine. I was very fortunate that, you know, super super duper painkillers weren't around at the time. I wasn't in pain. I didn't need them anyway. They didn't operate on me. They didn't put me in traction. So pretty much my body was allowed to just heal on its own. Um, but because of that injury, I now have some issues. I've got hairline fractures above and below where I broke it because it's misshapen. So I definitely have some issues with my back. So I went in to see an orthopedist because um, most recently I'm having trouble with my shoulder. It gets funky. My hand gets numb. And I was sitting there in the waiting room and there was one of those big pull-up signs, you know, that go, they're about five or six feet tall and about three feet wide. And it was talking about something called... IV ketamine, K-E-T-A-M-I-N-E, IV ketamine therapy. So I started looking at the list of maladies or symptoms that this particular treatment was recommended for. And it started off with neuropathy. It it had a couple of other things on there that I didn't fully understand. It was just initials and I looked it up and it basically is nerve pain. It had fibromyalgia and it had um, other, a couple other physical things. Oh yeah, I think ALS was on there and another physical malady. But thrown in with this list was PTSD and depression. And what really irritated me was that, okay, fibromyalgia, neuropathy, those are physical maladies that there are actual tests for. Um, PTSD and depression are 
psychiatric or mental conditions. And I'm not saying that those don't exist. I know that they do exist, but I start to question why the same treatment for extreme nerve pain would be used for a mental disorder. I think there's something wrong with that. So I Googled ketamine and basically because of the way that it lowers a lot of the different perceptions, it's a date rape drug. That's, that's one of the uses, not the, not the legal uses, but that's one of the illegal uses of this drug. And here it is, big, huge pull-up sign in an orthopedist's office. And if I didn't know any better, and if I were in pain, I might consider doing this therapy, but it's dangerous. Do you know? So you have, those of you listening, if you have some sort of an injury, uh, you know, a broken bone or a sprain or even a wisdom tooth extraction, or if one of your friends and family do, if your child does, please don't just give them these heavy duty painkillers. Google it, figure out what the side effects are, get all of the side effects. I mean, a wisdom tooth, it's, that's horrific. It's some of the worst pain I've had ever. And yes, I broke my back and I had two C-sections, but realistically, I could have handled it with aspirin. And as I told you once, when I, when I went out to LA for the birth of my grandchildren, I pulled my lower back, something fierce, then sat for seven hours. So by the time I got to Los Angeles, I was in a lot of pain. So I went to an orthopedist in Pasadena and he prescribed steroids, anti-inflammatories, good idea. But he also prescribed a heavy duty painkiller. And here's the thing. Once I took the steroids and the inflammation went down, I wasn't in pain. So I knew enough about, you know, painkillers and opioids. And I was a good year and a half into this podcast, maybe not that long, maybe only six months into it. But I knew that not a good idea to take the heavy duty painkillers. So you have to be aware, don't do it just because the doctor says it. I'm sure there are people who walk into this orthopedist's office in pain, look at that beautiful pull-up sign and go, oh, I better do this IV ketamine therapy. Please, please, please research these things before you jump into them. 65% of heroin users started with a prescription opioid addiction. Okay. You have to look at these things. All right. Off my soapbox for the, for the moment. I wanted to replay an interview today that is actually, I, I hate to say it's like one of my favorite interviews, but it is because this is Angela's story. And Angela isn't somebody who started smoking weed when she was in middle school and then eventually like switched over to hardcore drugs. Angela's a housewife and she ultimately was addicted to alcohol and pills and um, her ex-husband and her children called for an intervention and she showed up at Narcanon and did the Narcanon program. And she said, I don't, I actually don't know if this is in the interview because it's been a while since I've listened to it, but she, she mentioned to me, if not in the interview, she mentioned that when she told some of her friends that she was going into rehab, their response was, why do you need rehab? 
you just take pills and drink alcohol every day. If that's your viewpoint and you're listening to this, you might want to get a reality check from your loved ones and see if maybe you need to do rehab, you need to get help. I'm not going to belabor the point. I'm going to play Angela's story. But on a lighter note, we have a graduate on here today. I'm so excited. I love it when we get to talk to the graduates. Tell, and, um, tell me about this graduate. Well, she's a product of an intervention. Uh, like I was saying, it wasn't all that long ago that she sat across from the intake desk and I asked her why she wanted to come to Narcon for help. And she just gave me a really dirty look and said, I don't. Oh, <laughs> she was one of those. <laughs> and uh, I'd say the rest is history from there. So I, I want to introduce Angela and uh, see what she has to say about her journey through addiction out the other side. Well, Angela, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I the, Our audience really resonates with the stories of people like you who are graduates and I really, really appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah, no problem. Anything to do to help. Awesome. And welcome. Welcome. This is the Addiction Podcast. So welcome welcome to our Thursday afternoon lives. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> cool. So tell me, how did you get started down the road to addiction? My addiction started with a sports injury. I was prescribed pain medication. And it slowly, you know, I would taking, I was taking what I was prescribed and then it wasn't helping. And then I liked the way it felt. So I started taking more and more. And then when I wasn't able to get the prescription from the doctor, that's when I started buying, you know, pain medication on the streets, anything that I could get my hands on. And then I started mixing it with alcohol. Okay. Um, which like Jason was saying, I hid it from my family and friends for years Hmm. Um, no one knew anything. They knew something was off, but they didn't know that I was in drugs, doing drugs or drinking, um, until I got pulled over and got a DUI. I passed out behind the wheel. I don't remember anything. I woke up with my foot on the brake, my car still in drive, and surrounded by police officers. Oh, wow. And I was still in denial. I didn't think that I had a problem because... I was prescribed this medication, so it, I thought it was okay to take it. Wow. And if I ran out, I could just buy it because the doctor was prescribing them to me. Right. Wow. I, I'm, I'm already liking your story because most of the graduates that we have spoken to, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but they started more with, you know, recreational use like marijuana or alcohol. And I think... Angela, you may be the first one who said started with a sports injury, and we know that that is an issue. We know that typically when someone has a sports injury, that doctors will over-prescribe pain medication, and it sounds like that was exactly what was done in your case. And it was, and I was taking everything that they were prescribing to me, and then it still wasn't enough. Like, I kept chasing. I wanted more and more and more until the addiction completely took over my body and just had control of everything. I wasn't in control of my body at all. Wow. Can I ask what the injury was? Um, it was my lower spine. Okay. I took um, I, martial arts. I took a bad kick to the low spine, and it ruptured my lower discs. Oh, wow. Okay. I get it. So let me ask you this. What did they prescribe you right off the bat? They've prescribed me oxycodones and Percocet. 
That was the first thing that they gave me. And then they gave me muscle relaxers to help release the muscles and help me sleep. So I got all those at my first visit. What's the difference between Percocet and Oxycodone? Uh, Percocet is, uh, you know, it's a good question. Percocet is oxycodone combined with Tylenol. So usually with Percocet, you usually get like five milligrams oxycodone and 325 milligrams of Tylenol in one pill. When they prescribe you straight oxycodone, you're getting the straight oxy drug. But why so, would they so prescribe like, both? Good question, huh? They want to make your pain go away. I was going to say it's a good question, right? But it's two, But isn't it just two doses of oxycodone with a little bit of Tylenol mixed in? Basically, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll prescribe you Percocet to take throughout the day. And like once, maybe twice a day, you'll take a very, very high dose of oxycodone. Usually it's like 15 or 30 milligrams. I see. So, you know, you, may, you might get breakthrough pain. And if that's not enough, the muscle relaxers mixed with the uh, oxycodone will just put you in a la-la land. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get it. Okay. So there you are and you're in your car and you are surrounded by police and... What happened next? Well, I went to jail. I got a DUI. I lost temporary sole custody of my three children. Um, I'm going through a divorce, so that was definitely not a good thing for me. And that's when I started to realize something was wrong, but I could just do it on my own. And that wasn't working out for me at all. Mm. That's when I started drinking even more, uh, just straight vodka. I got it. Did you go to any type of rehab at that point? No, I've never been to any rehab at all. Okay. And on Valentine's Day is when I did get a phone call from my ex telling me that um, my children had a Valentine's Day present for me and wanted me to come by. So I went to the house and that's when Narconon held the intervention for me. You met Bobby Newman. I met Bobby Newman. Yes, I did that day. I bet you didn't like him at first, did you? I did not want anything to do with Bobby Newman at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I walked in. I seen my, my family there, my children there, and I kind of had an idea of what was going on, and I tried to say, you know what? I left something in my car. Let me just go grab, go grab it out of my car, and Bobby Newman shut that down real quick. Yep. So what did he, what did, can you share what, what he ultimately said to you that at least got you to agree to go to Narconon? I understand Jason said you got there and said, "Eh, I don't really want to be here, but what did, what did Bobby Newman say that got you to show up? Um, It actually was my children. So when I walked in, Bobby Newman said to me, your family would like to read some letters to you. Hmm. And everyone was reading letters, but my children started to read a letter. And each of them said to me, you know, we miss the old mommy who used to play with us and take care of us and was always there. You don't play with us. You're always sleeping on the couch. You never want to go take us anywhere. And we just want you to go get help so we can have mommy back. And that broke my heart. That breaks my heart. And I wasn't there. How, how old were your children at the time? Um, they were 10, 11, and 13. Wow. I remember, now that you said that, I know I asked you what Bobby Newman said to you, but I remember when he was on the podcast, he said he has the family write you letters. That's that's 
pretty brutal. Yeah, it was it was a, it was very tough to hear my own children say that and read all those things to me and and I mean I had they pretty much really didn't want anything to do with me after I was pulled over and arrested with the DUI. They were they were afraid. They were afraid of me and they didn't want to get in the car with me because they weren't sure if mommy was going to be on drugs or drinking. Right. Just to remind our listening audience, if you want to reach out to Narcanon and get more information, the number is 877-339-3324. That's 877-339-3324. So then you showed up at Narcanon. Did you have any previous knowledge of Narcanon? Did you know about it? Um, I knew just very little about the program, um, but not very much at all. Okay. Okay. And so we know that you told Jason you didn't really want to be there. Um, You have a different story than anybody else that I think we've interviewed. And again, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like most of the graduates we have spoken to went through several different rehabs before they came to Narcanon. And so when they did the withdrawal, for example, they knew that this was completely different. But Describe what the withdrawal was like for you, because you hadn't done it at another place. Withdrawal was a great experience. I had never gone through kicking, so I I had no idea what I was going into. And everyone in there was great with me. They were with me 24 hours all day long. But my legs were kicking so bad, the pain was ridiculous. And I had no idea what it felt like. Wow. Um, and just with them being there with me all day, getting me through um, my pains and even the headache. Um, coming off of opiates and benzos, the headache that you get when you come off of them is like no other. The pain is ridiculous. So being each day it got better. Um, the vitamins that they gave that they give you that helps. Um, the vitamins and also the assists. We've talked about assists before, and that's basically yeah. what's used to help you get through the pain. And it it's not horrible, right? I mean, you can no. manage it. Oh, goodness, they feel amazing, especially with your legs kicking so bad, and you're getting assist all day long, and it just it makes your body relax and you feel a lot better. And then there, you're also taking baths with epsom salt and then you're going back and getting another assist so it helps it takes the pain away it makes it a lot easier awesome awesome and then how was the sauna the new life sauna detox how was that what did you experience in that part of the program the sauna was absolutely amazing i didn't realize how i felt my body physically was shot i didn't have any energy my back was always hurting And each week through the sauna, my body started to feel better and better. And the energy levels, it raised every day. And my back doesn't hurt at all, not even a little bit. And I didn't think that that was possible. I mean, I knew that they made me aware that it would more than likely take my back pain away, but I was not knowing. And it actually took the back pain away. And the energy level that I have, it's, it's like I'm back in my early teens, 20s. Wow. You know, I am so glad that you say that. Um, The very first graduation I ever went to, there was a young woman there who was a graduate. And I can't remember, 
I can't remember, Jason, I don't know if you remember what, what she, what was wrong with her body? Was it, um, multiple fibromyalgia? Fibromyalgia. Yeah. There's, um, I have misunderstandings on some of those words. Like, yeah. But anyway, fibromyalgia. And so that was how she originally got into taking painkillers at all. And once she was done with an Arcanon program, not only was she drug free, but she was also pain free. And you're saying the same thing. Just a reminder that you are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. If you would like to reach out to us, we have a Facebook page, the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. You can find us there. And if you have a story to tell, let us know. If you'd like further information on Narcan on Suncoast, the number is 1-877-339-3324. That's 1-877-339-3324. Anybody listening who I don't, I never know if we have addicts or we just have friends and family of addicts, but you need to understand that the drugs don't handle the pain. And so when someone goes through a program like Narconon, which is a completely drug-free program, substituting procedures like assists, which help the body relax, and vitamins and minerals guys, the pain can go away. You can actually live pain-free. I think, I think it's a huge point. I'm so glad you said that, Angela. I'm, cause I was going to ask you, how's your back now? Yeah, my back does not hurt at all. I, I feel great. I think and the energy level too is another thing that, um, has come back and I didn't think that that was possible either. I think that's awesome. I think it's, uh, it's amazing. So, when you're when you're done with the Purif, then you'd go on move on to the objective drills or the objective processes. And what was that like? Um, the objective process is now that you're phys- feeling good physically, you're still not sure mentally on what to do because um, your thought process has just been so scrambled all over the place that your thoughts are just scattered. And objectives helps you pull in all of your thoughts, gain control of them, so that way you can organize your brain and communicate and just organize your life on what you want to do. Wow. You know, that's a, that is, I, I, I don't know, Jason, that's the best analogy I've heard from anybody. I mean, we've, you know, we've talked about how the objective processes help to get the individual um, you know, into the present and not focused on a lot of the past, but this is a whole new dimension to the objective processes where you actually get control over your thought processes and control over your mind. Right. Jason, and, I don't think we've heard anybody a, yeah, say that. That's thing that most, most addicts struggle with the fact that they feel as though you, they can't control their thoughts. They can't control their emotions and that basically there's all these outside factors that control that control them for them. But in reality, you know, you can control how you think about things. You can control how you communicate about things. And you can control where your attention goes. Right. But because the, a lot of the times, you know, it's really, really easy to be really, really focused on the past. Right. And everything that's happened and everything you've been through and all the things that led up to your being you know, at Narconon. And then on, on the flip side of that, it's very, very easy to have your mind wander into all the unknowns about the future, right. both of which 
whether you're all the way in the future or all the way in the past is very anxiety causing for a lot of people because the future is full of unknowns and the past is full of things you're probably not really proud of and not really excited about and things that can disturb you right. um, that you've been through. And it's finally, it's like when you get into objectives, you can actually fully put most of your attention for a lot of people the first time ever right in the right here and now, right in present time. Because right. you're not in the past anymore. You're not in the future. That's an unknown. You're you're right here, right now. And a lot of people struggle with being able to do that. And objectives actually harnesses your ability to do that while actually giving you control over your thought process. And, and see, I think that's brilliant. And you know what it brings to mind? And you guys are going to laugh at me when I say this. But remember there used to be like a commercial years ago where they would drop, they would say, this is your brain. And they would show a brain. And then they would drop an egg in a pan. And they would say, this is your brain on drugs. Do you remember that? aging all of us because that was in like the mid 80s and we were both we were both around for that you know and (laughs) so but 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 it's a horrible analogy but it is true in that drugs can scramble your thought process and scramble your ability to reason and you know address things logically and so I, I I just I think the way you put it Angela is brilliant I like that I I I like that Thank you. Okay, so what's next with the program? Uh, the, the next step of the program is life skills. And that helps you gain the ability to actually sit back and view the people in your lives. Um, for me, the people that I thought were helping me and were actually my friends were not my friends at all. Um, the, when I told people that I was going to rehab, a lot of them were saying, why? You don't need to go to rehab. You just take pills or you, you know, you you get drunk a couple times a week. And it helps you sit back and write down exactly who you have in your life, what they're doing for you, and, and view what types of people you want in your life. Wow. You know, when people say that to you and say, well, why do you need rehab? You're only taking pills and you're only maybe getting drunk twice a week. You can kind of sort of assume that the people who say that might be in a similar situation and are trying to justify their own use of pills and or alcohol. No? Yeah. Well, that also goes to show what some of our societal beliefs are. Yeah. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people out there that think there's nothing wrong with popping pills and drinking a few times a week because that's just what some people have to do to get by or take the edge off or whatever. But, you know, it's also during this part of the program where, as Angela was saying, it's like you finally get to, like, put all the people down on paper that you're connected to, past and present, and take a look at them as far as are they actually trying to help you, boost you up and you know, enhance your own survival as a person, or are they actually harming you to some to some degree? Right. And it gives them a chance to actually break it down, you know, characteristic by characteristic to see who the good people in their life are and who aren't, you know, positive influences. And a lot of times, I'm sure Angela can attest this, the people that you thought were your friends and the people that you thought were there to help you, you know, be successful and be happy and all that stuff are actually the people that are trying to break you down the hardest. Right. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Wow. And then you found the people in your life who really were trying to help you, like your family and your kids. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. 
So what does your ex-husband, what does he, what do he and your kids say now? Um, my children are extremely proud when they, they came for the graduation and my oldest gave me a hug and said, I'm so happy to have mommy back. Mm. And I, it made me cry. Yeah. It definitely made me cry. And, you know, I even, my ex-husband, soon-to-be ex-husband, said the same thing. You know, I'm so proud of you. Um, the children have the mother back. You know, that they that they deserve the mother that you once were, and you're back. Yep. One, one question just I was thinking about, what was your life like before you had the spinal injury and the, and the resultant drugs? What were you working? Were you a stay at home mom? What was your life like at that time? Um, I was working until I had my youngest daughter. And then I was a stay at home mother. My soon to be ex-husband is a dentist. Okay. So I did stay home, um, with the children for about five years. So how old were your children when, let's say, your addiction got out of control? Uh, they were five, six, and nine. Okay. And and they're how old now? They're 10, 11, and 13. Okay. Fair enough. So they are obviously super excited that they have their mom back. Yes, they are. This is good. This is good. I think the reason I was asking, oh, I know. Sorry, I lost my train of thought, listeners. I apologize. The point I was trying to make that was that, you know, Jason, you and I have talked over and over and over again about how addiction knows no, um, you know, no religious boundaries. It doesn't care, you know, your economic status or your, um, you know, all of those things, race, color, creed, you know, addiction doesn't care. Drugs don't care. You can still become an addict. This is a different story than any that we've had before, because here we're talking about um, a housewife. And actually, um, Jason, I don't remember if you ever saw that HBO show that I watched. Um, one of the one of the very tragic stories was a housewife with children and she unfortunately ended up overdosing. So my point being, you know, we've talked about how when we talk about drug addiction, we're no longer talking about the weird, ugly, dirty guy under the, you know, under the bridge or in the alley. It can be anyone. And I think this is the first time we've actually talked to um, someone who is basically a housewife and stay-at-home mom. Uh, and. You know, like I always say, it doesn't care who you are, where you're from. Addiction can affect anybody. However, you know, different than a lot of the other stories we hear, we're talking about a person that was successful for a long time before the addiction took hold. You know, most of the guys that come through here, um, you know, start early in life, you know, 15, 16, they start, you know, really messing with drugs. And by the time they're in their early 20s, like things are completely off the rails and I think there's a there's a large population of people that that's not the way it goes. Exactly, that's there's the large, point. There's a huge pop, actually, a huge population of people that's not the way it goes. You know, there's tons of people that in their 30s they just start experimenting with drugs and get hooked. There's people that are you know 25, 26 years old 
they get into a, a car wreck or they have some sort of physical injury. They get on pain medication and it's like all over from there. Uh, it's not always like, you know, a, a high school kid, you know, messing around with his friends or at a party, they get stoned and at the next party they get stoned and you take a Vicodin. It's not, it's not always like that. I mean, for me personally, I didn't really do drugs until I went to college. Right. Uh, you know, I, I briefly smoked pot and drank a couple times in high school, but I was kind of a late bloomer as far as that's concerned too. But there's there's always been this thing um, that's not talked about a lot, but it's been around since the 50s. And it's the fact that a lot of women who are homemakers, like they take care of the home, they take care of the kids and some work part of the time and stuff like that. There's a huge population of them that are using drugs right. to get through all that because – Keeping a home and taking care of kids is not an easy task by any stretch of the imagination. My sister does it, and I don't know how she does it. It's chaos constantly. Right. Or, or, or it's not necessarily the way they envision their life to be. You know, perhaps uh, a woman envisions her life to be uh, become a newspaper reporter or a professional photographer or a professional dancer or in martial arts like Angela. And you end up, you know, being a housewife and having to, you know, wipe snotty noses and change dirty diapers. And that may not be how you saw your life. And so I think a lot of times women can especially turn to alcohol to get through that, you know, to be able to get through the day. Yeah. I mean, back in the fifties when Valium was real popular, it used to be called mother's little helper. Right. I mean, that was a thing. Uh, um, and, you know, I, and again, I don't think it matters, like, how, like, what your chosen profession is, what you do when you grow up, how things, you know, how you're raised, how you're educated, where you work, where you don't work, whatever you do. Every single person on this planet has an equal ability to get addicted than the next person. Exactly. And I always say it's like a perfect storm of how it happens. You have something happen, you're at a certain spot in life with certain upsets disagreements or things that you don't like that's going on you might have anxiety or this or that or you might feel low or you know whatever it is and then at that exact moment you take a pill that seems to fix everything and that's how it starts or you take a drug or a drink or whatever it is that seems to fix that and then it's like all bets are off because you get the idea and the realization that aha i found the solution to my problem right and that is a very scary realization to have Exactly. And that's the whole point that we make over and over again when we tour people, when we talk about Narcanon, is drugs are not the problem, drugs were the solution. Well, it's true. Yeah. I mean, there's only one part of the Narcanon program that's really about drugs. I right. mean, that's obviously the, the drug-free withdrawal while you're coming off. And then, you know, the sauna detox, the, the greater two-thirds of the program is really dealing with what underlies all the drug use and the alcohol use. Right. That's what's important. Right. And I think the point is that you have to do the first two steps before you can get to that point. And I think that a lot of times rehabs try to combine it all. And so you have someone who's already sick coming off of drugs or they're taking methadone or suboxone. So they're not really even off of the drugs. And you're trying to get them to confront whatever the problem is at that point. And it, you can't do it. I mean, I mean, if you couldn't, if you couldn't confront your problems and address them and handle them when you were on heroin, you're probably not going to be able to do it on methadone or suboxone. I'm just saying. 
Yeah, well, what's the difference? Exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. What's I'm the just, difference at that point? So that's kind of what's wrong with that whole methodology, if you will. Absolutely. So, Angela. Yes. You're done with the program. Yay, you. Yeah. <laughs> and... um. What what are your plans now going forward? Do you get? Um, I'm assuming that you you haven't had full custody of your kids, or have you had any custody? Or since you got arrested, did you lose custody? No, um, that's been revisited, and good. my ex did drop the charges. Oh, good. Yes. Good. Okay, cool. Do your kids and your ex live in in the same in this area? Because you live in this area, right? Um, well, I am actually from Michigan. My children okay. and my ex both live in Michigan. Okay. And I am moving here to Clearwater and I stayed to continue what's called the senior student program here. Okay. Yes, we're familiar with that. We've talked about that. Yes. Okay, and good. then um, after that's done, I'm going to stay and become staff. Oh, congratulations and, and well done. It's, Yeah. I can't think of a better thing to do. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a great program and everybody here truly cares about you. So, and that's what I want to do going forward. It's my passion to, I've been on that end of going through withdrawal. I've been on the end of being sick and being on drugs and alcohol. And I want to be able to help people who think that it's helpless, that there's hope and you can do it. And I'm here to help you get through it. Well, I think that's I think that's very well done to you. Um, as we've said many times on the podcast, one of the things that sets one of the things, just one of the minor things that sets Narcanon apart from other rehab programs is that the staff have been there. They have experienced it. So they know what brand new students in Narcanon, you know, the staff knows what they're going through. And that's huge because it doesn't, it doesn't work when the person's standing there, oh, yeah, I know, I know. And you know they have no idea what you're going through. They have no clue, you know? It's like... Yeah. And you know what? It's funny that you say that because um, it's 100% true. When you know somebody's been where you've been and gone through what you've gone through, there's, you can, there's a level of trust where you know, okay, this person has felt like I feel. They know what I, where I've been and what I've gone through. And you know that it's sincere and they actually care and want to help you. Right. I think, I think that's brilliant. So it, your kids are going to get a really good end of the deal because of course we have Disney world in Orlando. So when they come to visit mom, they're going to get to go do all kinds of fun stuff that we have here in Florida. Yeah, they're, they're really excited and they're actually, my ex and I are doing, we're splitting custody 50, 50. Oh, cool. So that's the the children are already planning. Okay, well we're gonna go here, there, and there the whole summer, and then the next year we want to go to school there and spend summer with dad. So they they have it all planned out. Very cool. I love that, Angela. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It is a unique story, and I every graduate story is unique, but there's a lot of aspects to what you went through that we have not previously visited on the podcast. And I hope that the listeners are hearing some of those differences and will keep this in mind. Um, Oh, I'm going to get in trouble because I didn't mention the phone number. I'm going to mention the phone number right now. 
If anybody listening would like to know more or has questions or is concerned or what have you, the number to call is 877-339-3324. And when you call that number, you get to talk to Jason. Say hi, Jason. I'm here. (laughs) And, you know, really, you can just get all your questions answered. No commitment. You know, you just call and, and ask anything you've always wanted to ask and you know, get, just get help. If it's for yourself, get help. If it's for a loved one or a friend, get help. I'm going to give the number again, 877-339-3324. So that was Angela's story. I want to let you know that Angela is doing very well. I see her regularly when I go over to Narcan on Suncoast. And I hope that her story inspires one of you to get help. I'll be back next week and Jason will be with me. We are lining up some more very exciting interviews with some rock musicians who have gone through the world of addiction and come out the other side. So stay tuned for that. Everybody have a great week. Don't wait. If you need help, get it now. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcanonsuncoast.org. Narcanon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 